Thanks for joining us today. At City Life, we have one purpose, making it easy for people to say yes to Jesus. We believe today's message will empower you to do exactly that. But remember that church is so much more than a sermon you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life. How many of you are familiar with the cowbell skit? If you're not, you're like, what the heck? What does that have to do with anything in church? Well, it's, you just needed to laugh. I watched this probably five times this week and I thought, oh, this is, I just couldn't, I kept laughing the whole time. I was by myself and I just laughed. Um, I, well, Farrell's character is just like grossly hilarious is a great way to describe it. It's just, it's just gross. But I actually think, um, I actually think he's a funny picture of how many Jesus followers envision what it looks like to live for Jesus in their everyday lives. I gotta be this weirdo, I gotta be so awkward, and it's gonna be awkward, and, or I don't know how to do this without being awkward, and it's just awkward all over it. And, and so we don't wanna be that guy. So we just kind of do our Sunday thing, and then we try to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, doing our best. And the unfortunate thing with that is we end up living which what many are starting to refer to as being a Monday morning atheist. Wow. A Monday morning atheist. How's that for a term? What is a Monday morning atheist? Well, a Monday morning atheist is someone who believes in God. But they go to work, they do life as if he didn't exist. In other words, they kind of have the split duality. I got my spiritual world, my church life, and then my other life. Maybe once in a while I kind of get a prayer in or I kind of, you know, invite somebody to church. And, you know, that's the extent of it. But the result is we're living so far below what fulfillment in life could be. But what if things could be different? What if it didn't have to be awkward and weird? What if there was a way to actually live out our faith? And I'm, I'm, I'm talking about some different things that not just in the typical, I'm be, gonna become the workplace evangelism, or I'm gonna be that kid that stands up on the chair and the, you know, the cafeteria and starts preaching everybody, or I'm that person that has their Bible laying all over. I'm not talking about that. What if there was a way to live different? What if there was a way to actually integrate your faith in with the rest of your life in such a way that Mondays were exciting? Whether you're going to work or you're going to school or you're home with the, the preschoolers. What if there was a way that you could live that actually made a difference in your world and it made a difference Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, where you actually started to see transformation take place? What if things could be different? That is what we want to explore over the next few weeks in this series Made for Mondays. And made for Mondays. Why? Because God is as excited about your Mondays as he is you coming to church and being here on Sunday. And you know why? So, and, and, and in a lot of ways, he might even get more excited because, you know what? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is his opportunity to get up close and personal to the world that he loves through you. To bring life through you and I. 
See, this is where we're going with this series. How many of you have ever wondered, how can I live a more meaningful life? Anybody ever wonder that? What does God want me to do with my life? Ever wondered that? What does God want me to do with my life? How about, how can my work make a difference in the world? How can my work actually make a difference? It's not as spiritual as all those people that get to, you know, kind of help people all day long and, you know, I don't get it. But have you ever wondered, or even more specifically, here's this, how, how do I worship God moment by moment when my day is already overfilled with reports, phone calls, assignments, appointments with clients? I know I'm supposed to stay focused on God and be focused on God only, but how can I do that when this is what my day is like? How can I do that? I'm already, so, am I really just supposed to serve the Lord with gladness in this job that I hate? How about my day consists of changing diapers, breaking up fights over toys, and trying to keep the house clean for five minutes. How is this living a life of significance? Here's another one. I spent years training for a profession I can't get a job in. Now what? Or teens, or if you're 30 and still living at home, my parents are putting pressure on me to pick a career path, but I have no clue what I should do. Or here's the final one. If everything is just going to get burned up in the end, what's it matter how we live now? Just kind of hold out for Jesus coming back. And so this is what, these are the questions we're going to answer over some of the, the coming weeks. But we're also going to debunk some myths that go along with following Jesus. The myth, such as salvation, is about a personal relationship with Jesus and going to heaven when I die. Some of you are like, what? See, if you've been in church any long period of time, your brain just could be going tilt. It'll get even better. Debunking the myth that work is part of the curse and that retirement or to be free from work is a sign of success. To not work is actually a sign of the curse. Did you know that? Here's another myth we're going to debunk. Using my gifts and talents is the way to find fulfillment in life. (laughs) And being spiritual is about praying and reading my Bible. (laughs) Your faces are hilarious. If I had a mirror behind me and you could all see your kind of, what are you talking about? Oh, you got to stick with us over the next couple weeks. You are not going to want to miss. So let's jump in. Today is my goal. Today my goal is I want to help us get a better understanding of what salvation is actually is because this is where it starts and what it actually means for the entirety of our lives and so here's the first big thought for us today you ready here's the first big thought Jesus didn't just save us from something he saved us for something Jesus didn't just save us from something he saved us for something and that something is not everyone say not That something that he saved us for is not going to heaven someday. So we're like, what? My Sunday school just disintegrating before my eyes. God didn't save us so that we could escape the world or even retreat from it while we're still living in it. But so that he could get back to his original plan for all of creation. And the plan was this. His original plan was that 
all of creation be filled with his image. Everything would reflect him. So, I recognize some of you, your first time in church, some of you don't actually know the story of your life. Some of you that have maybe been in church for a lot of your life don't actually know the real story. So we're going to tell you the story today. Here we go. The first, where we all start. We know the world is messed up. True? We know. We look outside. We know it's messed up. But there's also something in us that we ache for something more. We know things could be better. We want a better world, right? We don't quite know what that looks like, or we might think we have ideas, but we want something better. And so just like if I'm hungry, hunger points to the reality that there's probably food somewhere for that hunger. That ache in us for a better world points to the great possibility that either there was a better world or there could be a better world. So what happened? Well, first off, God designed everything for good. God made a good world where everything worked good. Everything worked beautifully together. Humans and creation worked together. Humans and humans worked together. And humans and God lived and loved and worked together in a right way. But it was damaged by evil. We messed that up. We listened to a lie. We rejected God. We tried to take charge, and we broke everything. That's what we did. And I say us, we, because that's humanity. It wasn't just Adam and Eve and we blame everything on them. No, we're all like this. Come on, how many of you ever tried to do something good only to say, why did I say that again? I'm such an idiot. Come on, we've all been there, done that. But we broke ourselves, we broke our relationships, and most of all, we broke our relationship with God. But God loves his creation so much that he didn't want it to stay that way. So the first thing he does is he gives a promise that he's going to fix things. The second thing he does is he gets some promise carriers that will keep the promise alive. And then he comes as a promise himself, Jesus Christ, who through his death and resurrection, all of the power And all of the consequences of all of the messed up stuff that we did, all of that bad stuff died with him. And when he rose again, he started something called new creation. Now we get to live not only with him, he lives in us. We are free, we are healed, we are forgiven, we have been restored. And often that's where the Sunday school story ended. Now little children, Just pray with me. And would you like to receive Jesus in your heart so that you can go to heaven someday? Parents, just so you know, we're not teaching your kids that. We're teaching them a bigger story. Because there's a so that attached to it. It's so that we can live with God. He's living in us. We are forgiven and restored so that we can be sent together to heal. Sent out in our world to bring God's healing. See, Jesus, what Jesus asks us to be a part of is what he's still doing in the world. He calls us to follow him as he heals the damage that's still in the world. We become what's called his hands and his feet. Because we're the body, we're his body here on the planet. So, and if you want 
those little pictures are actually from a cool app on the website. So don't go there now. But if you want to have a cool little website because you got friends who keep asking you the story and you're like, I don't think I can remember that, there's an app on there that will show you how to walk through the story, go into resources, go under story, you will find it. But three key things to grasp about this story and how it relates to our everyday life. Because this isn't just this big story that kind of, you know, we kind of think about it when I feel spiritual and when I'm getting up and I'm trying to do my devotions or I kind of remember it's like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be a Christian, whatever that means. No, there's a big story. This whole story actually has implications for our everyday life. Whether you're at work, whether you're at school, whether you're at home, whether you are a full-time, you know, sports person, whatever you're doing. Three things to grasp about this story. Number one, we're living out God's story, not simply our own. We're living out God's story, not simply our own. See, we're not the main character in our own story. Now, that might be hard to hear, but it's only hard to hear because all we know is a westernized culture whose number one primary language is selfie. And so we like to think we're free-thinking, individual, western people. We're so programmed, we don't even realize it. And so when we start hearing language and words that's like, no, you're not the center of your story, we're like, what? But here's the good news with that. If you're just a supporting character, the weight of the story isn't on you. (laughs) That's just like a load lifter right there. We're the supporting characters in our story. We're living out God's story, not simply our own. Number two, God invites us to join him. We don't invite him to join us. Man, how often do we try to get, we try to, you know, I'm trying to get God to bless this and God to bless that and I need to get God, we're trying to, no, God invites us to join him. We don't invite him to join our plans. Right from the beginning, this is how God has been. God has been inviting humans into this plan called his creation. He wants us to be partners with him. And this has been God's plan right from the beginning that we would, we would partner with him. We would be culture makers. We would take this beautiful, wonderful world that he's made and we would make something out of it that would reflect him. Listen to how some Australian authors, I love this. This is how they described it. They said, if God intended man to live on bread, why didn't he create a bread tree? Good question. If God wanted us to live on bread, why didn't he create a bread tree? Well, the answer is, God prefers to offer us grain and invites us to buy a field and plant the seed. He prefers that we till the soil while he sends the rain. He prefers that we harvest the crop while he sends sunshine. Why? Because he would rather we become partners with him in creation. Of course, God could simply supply our every need and solve our every problem. Isn't that what so many of us want? God could simply supply our every need and solve our every problem. But God invites us into a creative partnership with him. He supplies the earth, the air, the water, the sun, and our strength, and then asks us to work with him. It's powerful. Thank you for that one person clapping. (laughs) I don't know who you are, but I'm going to come kiss you. 
See, right from the beginning, God made us to be lovers of him and laborers with him. And that has not changed. God is still inviting us to join him on the mission to bring his healing power to the world. See, that happens not just when we're in here in a room like this. It happens when we're out there. He's invited us on his mission to heal. Now, I just need to make a comment about that word mission because it's going to be a word that we kind of use a lot over the next several weeks, but that word has a lot of baggage to it. Because when we start talking about, especially if you've been in the church for any length of time, I grew up in the church, you'd hear mission, all of a sudden I thought of slide projector, naked people running around in the jungle, and other people chasing them with Bibles, trying to help them find Jesus. Like, yes, oh yes. Mission is about Africa somewhere. Mission is about at Mexico or Honduras or Ecuador or smuggling Bibles into China. Mission is about somewhere else other than here. Mission is about being poor. Being on mission is about helping the poor and feeding the hungry and building schools and all of those are part of it. But that's so not what mission is. It's a fraction of it. And we got this idea. It's kind of like, you know, from Prince's Bride. It's like you keep using that word and I don't think it means what you think it means. That's what we use with this word mission. The church has taken a powerful word and totally screwed it up. See, Jesus described his mission like this, Luke 4, 18 and 19. He said, the spirit of the Lord, the eternal one is on me. Why? Because the eternal designated me to be his representative to the poor, to preach good news to them. He sent me, everyone say sent me. He sent me to tell those who are held captive that they can now be set free and to tell the blind that they can now see. He sent me to liberate those held down by oppression. In short, the spirit is upon me to proclaim that now is the time. This is the jubilee season of the eternal one's grace. And see, when Jesus used those words, I was sent, he sent me, the Spirit sent me, I've been sent. That's just different language for saying my mission is. My mission is to bring good news to the poor. My mission is to tell people they don't have to live in captivity anymore. So you know what good news is? Good news isn't just about our salvation. Good news is, you know what good news is to somebody who's in debt? There's a way to get out of debt. You know what good news is? To somebody who's struggling in the relationships of their life, who's struggling with stuff from the past that they just can't seem to let go of, you know what good news is? You are not a captive to your past any longer. You know what good news is? There's more claps, that's good. Not that I need claps, but it just shows me you're kind of getting it. You know what good news is to a single person? You don't need to be married to be happy. That, oh good, we got the singles in the house. This, this one, first one is kind of like, we're all, you should be excited. Good news to single people is you don't need to be married and be defined by your relationship status in life. You don't need to be married to live a fulfilled life. You don't need to be married in order to carry out the purpose of God for significance and family and community. There is so much you can do for the kingdom of God and living out God's mission for your life as a single that you just can't do as a married person. May I remind us all that Jesus was single. This is not bashing marriage, but we put too much emphasis on a relationship status 
and there is a burden and a wrong perspective where too many single people end up making life choices to just, that end up bringing havoc into their life because they feel like I can't be significant without that other person. God alone gives us our significance, whether you are married or single. Singles, amen. Look at what Jesus, after his resurrection, what's that? <laughs> okay. Even after his resurrection, Jesus told his disciples this. He said, John 20, 21, he said, peace be with you. And then he said to them again, he said, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. This is right after Jesus rose from the dead. He shows up out of nowhere in this room. His 12 disciples are like, what the heck? And he's like, peace, guys. I'm giving you peace. You need to know you are now at peace with God. All the sin, all the brokenness, all the damage, all the destruction humanity caused, God's going clear to count. Now, if you want to experience the reality of that, you follow me every day. And just like I was sent, I'm sending you. Just like I was sent to bring good news, I'm sending you. Just like I was sent on mission to bring freedom to the captives, I'm sending you. Just like I was sent to tell people, you don't have to stay in blindness any longer. You can see. You can see what God is doing. You can see the goodness around you. You don't just have to see the past as a broken, messed up thing or just see the messed up now. You can see the future that God's got, and it's a good future. You can see, his, this is what Jesus' invitation that he gave to his followers was not accept me as your savior so your sins can be forgiven and you can be with me in heaven when you die. That is not what he invited people to. What he invited his disciples or what he invites every single one of us is this. I'm here on mission. And if you're with me, you're on mission too. There is no halfway zone of receiving me, sitting out, being good, and waiting till I come back. You're either on mission with me, or you're living an alternate life that is a broken life and will never leave you fulfilled. I told you to make you go twilt. Number three. Third thing from the story. Salvation isn't something we get. Salvation is a way we live. Salvation isn't something we get, it's a way we live. To follow Jesus is to live on mission. Salvation is living on mission. Now let me clarify. I'm not talking about working to be saved. I'm not talking about a certain lifestyle makes you saved. I'm talking about salvation that Jesus came declaring 
and modeling and inviting us into is something that is meant for our Mondays as much as it is meant for this gathering that we have on Sunday. God is as impassioned about your Monday as he is about us gathering together like this on Sunday. Ephesians 1.23 in the message, it says, the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. What's God's goal and mission for humanity? We're his body that we fill everything with his image, with his presence, with his power, with his kindness, with his hope, with his peace, with his rightness, with his goodness, with his greatness, with his power. Now think about it. If God's goal is that everything is filled with his presence, do you really think he values Sundays more than Mondays? No. This gathering is vital. So often though, we live as an either or. I, I, I'll, I'll be that Sunday person and then I kind of go do the rest of my life out there. And then there's others who are so busy out there that we don't have this gathering time. We need both. We are a body for a reason. The body inhales, it comes together and it exhales. Oh. If you live as a body that's just, what happens? You're gonna pass out, and you're not gonna be any use to anybody out there. But that's kind of how so many of us live as Christians. We just live for the Sunday. I just live for the Sunday. Another encounter night, another encounter night. I worship, I worship. And then we go out on Monday, and we're living like, and we're like choking out there. But the other is just as deep, damaging. If all you have is, What are you gonna do? You're gonna pass out too. Cause you don't have this. This is where your life comes. We inhale oxygen, the presence of God, the life of God, the breath of God. We gather together. You need the inhaling, but our world needs our exhaling. Mission isn't just something we do, it's who we are. You are God's mission to your friend group. You are a good virus carrying God's peace to your drama-filled circle of friends. You are God's mission to your school. You are a good virus carrying God's kindness, God's compassion to a place where there are a lot of lonely, isolated people. You are God's mission to your workplace. You are a good virus bringing God's wisdom, God's creativity, God's order to the company that you work for or the business that you built in order to cause it to prosper, to flourish, to increase. You know what, God is, as, God is even more concerned about your bottom line than you are. He is more concerned about you landing that next contract. And it's not just so you can have more money to give to the church. Your flourishing, your business flourishing is a sign of a big God, a God that is a God of more than enough. Your job, your business that you own, you're providing income for however many other employees you have. That is a sign and a picture of God the provider. You are God's mission to your sports team. 
You are a good virus to carry God's grace through your encouraging words to your teammates when everybody's just kind of doing their thing. To care, maybe even your encouraging words to the winning team or to those refs. That <laughs> was funny. Everybody laugh. <laughs> Thanks, ref. I needed to be reminded that's what a foul looks like. <laughs> you are God's mission to your family. You're a good virus bringing God's healing power to a family that has a history of dysfunction, divorce, abuse. You are meant to be the good virus. You are God's mission. God is not cleaning individuals up. I want us to get this. I'm going to end with this. God is not cleaning individuals up to take them away to live with him in heaven. God wants to clean up creation so he can come back here and live with us. His mission is to return the world to the way it was supposed to be. How do we actually practically do this? How do we live in a way that brings God's healing, restoring power? That's what we're going to look like, look at over the next several weeks. We're doing one of the longest series that we've done before because we just want to make it so practical. I really believe that in the next several weeks, some of you are going to get, there's going to be, it's like a light goes off inside and work is going to be so different. Some of you, God's going to give you an idea to maybe start business. Some of you students are going to go to school and it's going to be completely different. Some of you being at home with those preschoolers, it's going to be a whole new world in a good way. But I wonder, what would happen? I want us to imagine something for a minute. Imagine a church known for its self-giving love in a world of selfies. Instead of being focused on self-preservation, what if we were risk-takers for the flourishing of our neighbors? What if the world knew that in every place of pain, the body of Christ would be present, praying and pouring out its resources, binding the wounds of a bleeding world? What if all our actions from choosing where to live to choosing how we vote were shaped primarily by our concern for others? What if we had eyes of wonder that saw every good thing in this world as a gift from God and that we are constantly grateful for the simple things like oranges or the backspin of a basketball or a long conversation with a friend? What if we became the kind of community that could remain joyful in the midst of suffering because our hope in the one who will one day wipe away all tears and make all things new? Imagine if the church were known as a community of peacemakers in the midst of this conflicted world. Imagine if the church were known as the people of patience in a world of hurry and immediate gratification. What if we were known as the people who put away their cell phones and paid attention in a world of distraction? Imagine if the body of Christ became the unique community that had eyes to see the most vulnerable, hands to carry burdens, mouths to speak the truth and love, and arms to embrace the hurting, and minds that constantly dream up creative ways to fill the earth with God's good gifts. Imagine if the church were known for being a distinctly trustworthy community. What if employee, employers search for new employees and nonprofits try to find volunteers from within the church because they knew these people would show up and do their best work faithfully day after day? What if we were known for raising steady families where divorce was rare, marriages were strong, and children felt secure? What if we refused to engage in rants online and instead had wise and measured words in all of our conversations on Facebook? <clears throat> What if we were known for refusing to adopt the bitterness of either the right or the left? Imagine if the church were known for saying enough in a world that says more. 
What if our joy in the simple things subverted the emptiness of consumerism by showing that a deep contentment is possible in Jesus Christ? Can you imagine a community overflowing with this kind of fruit of the Spirit? It would be distinct from all other communities, would display the uniqueness of God in ways that would challenge the culture's idols and show the emptiness of their promises. It would provide a feast for the world. I want to invite you to stand. I want to close in prayer. I want to invite you to put your hand over your heart. I want to just close your eyes. And I want to pray because I really believe that God is going to do something so significant in lives today. And, you know, where all of this starts, this isn't about now going out and trying to be some superhero. It starts The only way we can live this out is through the power and the life of Jesus Christ, his spirit dwelling within us. And that's what we receive when we follow him. That's why it's not just a one-time prayer and we kind of get it and we go. It's like, no, it's an ongoing thing where we are connected to him, following him every day. And so some of us, maybe today is the first day you prayed a prayer like this and others it might be. Maybe today that's you're praying it with a different kind of commitment. But I want to invite us to pray this prayer together. Can we say together, Jesus, thank you for everything you've done through your life, death, and resurrection that started a new creation. I say yes to following you on your mission to bring healing and restoration to this world that I live in. Thank you for filling me today. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor as a church to play just a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to seeing you soon here at City Life.